not always easy being a Leafs fan, but our loyalty runs deep. We're just a couple of good Canadian boys who bleed blue and white. Win or lose, we're in, because for us, it's Leafs or bust. Welcome to the Leafs or Bust podcast. Hello, Leafs Nation, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, We are a brand new podcast. This is episode one. Uh, What we're hoping is uh, to provide you with some fresh takes and fun segments uh, to keep things entertaining for you, our beloved listeners. Um, On that note, uh, we are proud to announce that we're uh, sponsored by Hooligan Fuel Hot Sauce. That's four generations of flavor before the fire. You can find them at hooliganfuel.com. Uh, on Facebook at facebook.com slash hooligan fuel uh, and on Instagram at at hooligan fuel hot sauce, all one word. Uh, be sure to check them out. They are great people. They have a great product and I can't stress that enough. Uh, so with that said, I'll quickly introduce myself and my co-host. Uh, my name is Michael Anthony and my co-host and your favorite Leafs Twitter legend, Dirtbag Daddy. Anything you'd like to say to the folks, Dirtbag? Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our, um, the maiden voyage of the Leafs or Bust podcast. Uh, we're really excited to give you some uh, hot and spicy takes regarding the Leafs and uh, yeah, just to have fun. So uh, come along for the ride and uh, yeah, feel free to engage with us uh, on social media and we'll provide that information later on. Right on. So um, first thing I kind of wanted to get into today, um, Dirtbag, is the whole Dougie Hamilton situation and whether or not he's an option in Toronto. So uh, for those who may have not heard, I mean, it's it's been pretty well everywhere, but, uh, you know, some things do slip through the cracks. But uh, Carolina Hurricanes GM Don Waddell uh, has granted Dougie Hamilton and uh, Agent J.P. Barry uh, permission to speak to other teams prior to free agency uh, when that opens up on July 28th. So essentially what that does is it opens up the possibility of uh, maybe a potential sign and trade. Uh, It also opens up the possibility of allowing Dougie Hamilton to maybe test the market a little bit and see what else is out there, Um, you know, to see if maybe he... uh, He does want to re-up in Carolina uh, if or if there's a particularly good um, offer out there for him, maybe he does want to leave and uh, he can provide a little bit of, uh, you know, a head start to... um, to the Canes GM to maybe find a suitable trade partner and try to recoup some assets there. So, uh, so first and foremost, uh, I just kind of wanted to get your take on that dirt bag. And, and do you think that Dougie Hamilton might be a viable option in Toronto? I know a lot of Leafs fans are, you know, kind of kicking their own tires at Dougie Hamilton. And I mean, I get it. The link is there. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's a, he's a Toronto born boy. Um, He's famously in uh, the Leafs intro video, uh, cheering him, cheering on, cheering on as a kid in his Leafs jersey. So I get that the connections there, um, but I think it would be tough. I, I think Dougie Hamilton on the open market's probably going to command in the seven to eight million dollar range. Yeah, and, for sure. You know that's probably kind of the number where a guy like Morgan Riley's going to come uh, come out at uh, when he hits UFA. So I mean, if you're the Leafs and you and you want to bring in a Dougie Hamilton, first of all, a you're going to have to clear salary, uh, and b um, you're probably saying goodbye to Morgan Riley the the following year. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Is it possible? Yes. I, I don't put anything past Kyle Dubas. He's made bold moves each of the last uh, few off seasons. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. The least will have to do some uh, gymnastics to fit him in, but uh, we'll see. He would be a good addition, but a complicated yeah, I, one. I honestly, I don't want to try to think on, on who they would have to move out in order to facilitate that kind of a contract coming in. Uh, I just look at the situation. I imagine a top four that consists of Morgan Riley, Dougie Hamilton, Jake Muzzin, and TJ Brody. So for me, I'm not entirely sure that I would subtract Morgan Riley in order to make that that acquisition or that uh, that signing there. Um, but you know, it's it's really tough. Like you look at the number of big contracts they've got tied up in. You know, the top four. Obviously, that's well documented. But even when you get beyond that top four, you know, they've still got. You know, TJ Brody making five mil. They've got Jake Muzzin making over five, Riley making five. So, you know, Alex Kerfoot may, you know, make the most sense to move a guy like that, 3.5 off the books. But even then, like, you, you still have to make subsequent moves to make it work. So it is tricky. I, I 100% agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, I just, for me, like, if I look at that top four, if they can manage to make it work if Kyle Dubas has any magic tricks left up this left up his sleeve uh that's going to be a really good top four by anyone's standards maybe among the best in the entire National Hockey League absolutely I mean there's no doubting the talent that would be in that top four but you know this reminds me a lot of kind of how I spent last summer as I was trying to figure out ways to fit Alex Petrangelo onto the (laughs) Leafs and we know that uh, Petrangelo ended up signing up, uh, signing in Vegas for over eight million dollars. And again, I have I have Hamilton kind of in that in that same range. Um, and, and you know, you, you rattled some names off there. If if you're going to bring in a guy like Dougie Hamilton at eight million, or let's say for the sake of argument, Dougie Hamilton takes that hometown discount and signs for a little uh, seven a, or a, six point five, yeah, a hair under seven. Let's just I'll, for the sake of argument. Then you're saying goodbye to Zach Hyman for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be saying goodbye to Alex Kerfoot, um, a Justin Hole. Um, so you're subtracting three players right there to add one, and then yeah. you still have to fill out the rest of the roster. You still have to reassemble your bottom six. Mm-hmm. And you know, real quick, I'll just say the the Leafs' problem in the playoffs wasn't defense; it was their bottom six just couldn't keep up with Montreal when the Leafs top line dried up. So for all the talk of adding a stud defenseman in Dougie Hamilton, I think the Leafs cap space, what little we have in a flat cap world would be better spent revamping that bottom six and adding some more scoring threats and some more leadership. Yeah. See, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I agree in that uh, the bottom six, I thought performed amicably throughout the series. Um, it, it's, you know, getting into the, the whole lack of production from the least top line. I mean, Zach Hyman limited to just one goal, zero assists, one point through a seven-game series. Um, you know, you've got Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews were, were held to four points apiece. Uh, Marner did not get on the score sheet in terms of scoring goals. So I think once those guys get it figured out, I don't know if it's as much of a concern about adding depth scoring, um, given the fact that, you know, we did get plenty of that in the series. And when I look at the whole Dougie Hamilton situation, I'm thinking this is a really good, really high quality uh, two-way defenseman. So like he will start well out of his own zone, but he, it's not like 
a situation where, you know, you've got, say, a guy like Travis Dermott, uh, who is great in his own zone, and then he'll get the puck up, but he doesn't engage himself as much in the offensive zone. I think Dougie Hamilton would engage himself a lot in the offensive zone, and I think there's evidence of that in his scoring history. Like, in the past seven seasons, he's broken double digits in, in goal scoring every season. Um so, you know, for me, I think that is a guy that makes some sense. And, and you know, there has been some criticism over whether or not it's, it's Jacob Slavin that's carrying him in Raleigh. But I would suggest that it might be the other way around. Uh, like, I know a lot of their, the time that they play together, um, you know, they, they are a good tandem. But when Dougie Hamilton, perf- like, plays away from uh, Jacob Slavin, he actually outperforms him. So... Yeah, and that's, of course, 5v5. I don't know exactly what the power play numbers uh, would suggest there, but but I know Dougie Hamilton uh, was a threat on the power play last season before he got hurt as well. So, you know, for me, I think he does provide a little bit of uh, offensive utility as well. So I, I don't know if it's as important, um, you know, to go out and seek depth scoring, if you can provide that depth scoring on in your, the top four of your blue line. Yeah, you you make a really interesting point there. And what I would like about adding a guy like Dougie Hamilton kind of in the same vein as as Petrangelo is that they add a shooting threat from the blue line, which I think the Leafs sorely lack. And that's no offense to Morgan Riley, but I just a lot of the shots I saw from Mo didn't really have a lot of teeth on them. Yeah, he's more uh, of a skater than a shooter. Yeah, Dougie's kind of got that old school heavy shot, which again, if Dubas can pull a rabbit out of his hat and find a way to pair Riley and Hamilton on the blue mm-hmm. line, then uh, we could see Mo setting up uh, Dougie for some, you know, old school Howitzers, like you know how we used to watch Caberle set up McCabe. <laughs> yeah, some some Iafrady McCabe clap bombs. Yes, um, sir. I, I think Hamilton would add uh, that dimension to the blue line. Um, which I think would only help benefit the Leafs. Uh, but again, it's it's going to come down to Kandubis and Brandon Pridham kind of work some cat magic to, to bring yeah. in a guy like Hamilton who's going to command a hefty price. Well, let's, let's say, for example, that he does take a hometown discount to sign in Toronto, and let's say he gets seven times seven. Uh, I don't want to get into that eighth year because that that whole that's a can of worms right there. Like you enter that uh, into that eighth year, like if if Toronto and and Carolina are, are able to swing a sign and trade where they get Dougie for the eighth year, maybe it's a lower cap hit. But let's just pretend for for now that the only option is to sign him via free agency seven times seven. Um, TSN's Ryan Rashog had a pretty hot take where he suggested that. If he has a choice between Tyson Berry at five point five million for five years or Dougie Hamilton at seven times seven, that he would select Tyson Berry. I like for that, I'm dumbfounded because you know, Barry, although yeah, he did lead the uh, league in defensive scoring with 48 points this year. He is horrible defensively, like horrendously bad defensively. I mean, we saw a little bit of that during his stint with the Maple Leafs, but um, but Dougie Hamilton is a guy that excels at both ends of the ice. He is excellent everywhere. And really the only knock in his game is he doesn't draw a ton of penalties. So, and I, I mean, that's negligible at best. Uh, I mean, you got to take those Barry numbers with a grain of salt. Like I'm going to chalk that up to the McDavid effect 
because I mean Barry played here in Toronto with yeah, guys a great like point. Varis and Matthews and Marner, and he didn't click with them. Um, so I mean, sure, I think Barry he's going to get a boatload of money somewhere. I think it'll be a mistake for whichever team uh, pays him out. Um, I think Dougie Hamilton is a better defenseman and better, and he brings more dimensions to to his offense than a guy like Tyson Berry does. Yeah, more worth the price of admission for sure. Absolutely. Um, I think they're both going to get paid. I'm not sure where each will end up. Um, I know there's some interest from Edmonton to re-sign Tyson Berry, but that'll affect their cap and their ability to re-sign a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins and their ability to re-sign next summer a guy like Darnell Nurse. So mm-hmm. Edmonton's got their work cut out for them, but uh, so does Toronto if uh, if they want to add a, a big piece. And of course, um, you know, we, we heard that uh, line a couple weeks ago about how Dubas was going to do something big this offseason. He was going to add an exciting name, mm-hmm. uh, whether that was through trade or free agency. But again, Hamilton could be acquired by trade if you do a sign and trade kind of thing with Carolina. Yeah, the the one thing there that leads me to believe that it's not Hamilton that they're discussing or, or that CJ was discussing rather. Uh, and Friedman actually made a point on it as well and and echoed a lot of the same sentiments as, as CJ did. But uh, but uh, it was the, the part about making the playoffs. No, I, I no, remembered. no, that too. But it was also the part about having several years remaining on his deal. I forgot about that. Thank you for pointing yeah. that out, Mikey. So no yeah, I guess, I guess uh, Hamilton's not the mystery man uh, when it came to that uh, that CJ quote. Yeah, but the thing that worries me most about uh, the prospect of signing or trading for Dougie Hamilton is he does turn 28 on Thursday. So although he is currently in his prime, um, he will be exiting his prime shortly thereafter um, the contract is signed. So by the end of the deal, d- depending on whether it's a seven or eight year term, he'll be 35, 36 years old. And if you're paying a 36 year old, 7 million bucks, and you know, maybe he does start to decline by age 33, 34. I mean, that's a, that could become a boat anchor of a contract. So that's, well, that's my one issue with it there. Well, I'm glad you brought up Dougie Hamilton's age because kind of a hot take of mine is if is if you're Kyle Dubas and you bring in a guy like Dougie Hamilton at 28 and you hand him a big fat contract, to me, that's not really a show of confidence in your two young defensemen in Sandine and Lilligren, who I think right. should absolutely be fighting for spots um, this upcoming season and should probably be playing in the top four. So if you go out and get a guy like <clears throat> Hamilton – you bump those two further down in the lineup. And to me, that doesn't really show confidence in, in those two young players. And I think it's time that the, the Leafs, you know, hand the reins over to them and, and see what these two young guys can do rather than kind of saddling themselves with another older defenseman uh, on a large-ish contract. Yeah, I, I can't disagree there. Um, you know, Rasmus Sandin has had a couple of looks now and on the whole, I think he's been excellent. I think there's been gaffes here and there, but you can chalk that up to you know growing pains per se. But but Timothy Lilligren really hasn't experienced a, a lengthy stint, at least lengthy enough at the NHL level to you know warrant giving up on him already. So I do, in in a lot of ways, anticipate him playing a larger role this season. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Leafs took him and packaged him in a deal for say maybe a, a more 
um, I don't want to say a more capable defenseman, but um, for lack of a better term, maybe somebody that's a little more trustworthy uh, straight out of the gate here, because there is a lot of pressure in the Toronto market, especially after this catastrophic collapse after a 3-1 series lead to the to the Habs. Um, I think there's too much at stake to maybe play the experiment game uh, going into this next season here. I mean, yeah, if, if you're going to go out and get uh, kind of one of those mystery forwards that uh, CJ was alluding to, then I don't doubt that uh, probably one of those Swedish defensemen would be involved in a package back. But, you know, I also think that, you know, young defensemen are going to make mistakes. And, and we here in Toronto have an innate ability to blow all these things out of proportion. But it's like, like you don't think guys like, you know, Nick Lidstrom and Ray Bork made mistakes in, in their first couple of years <laughs> in the league? I mean, every, every, all young yeah, defense is a, is a very hard position to play in the NHL. And, you know, these kids are going to make mistakes and you have to allow them the time to, to learn from them and, and grow their game. And by no stretch of the imagination, am I saying Sandine and Lilligren are going to end up being the next Nick Lidstrom. But, you know, you got to give these kids time to kind of uh, make mistakes and, and learn from them. And, and I get it. I get it. There's, there's pressure in Toronto. The pressure's to win now. And, uh, there's less patience uh, for the growing pains that, that come with young defensemen, but you know, you can't just keep signing 30 year old defensemen every year and, and thinking that's going to win you a cup. You know, it didn't work for the Sundin Leafs yeah. uh, bringing in older, older players to fill the gaps. Eventually you have to hand it over to the youth and we, we handed over the forward core to the, to the, to the young guys. And eventually you're going to have to start, uh, you know, trusting the, the, the blue line training. a bit more. Yeah, and take advantage of these young kids while they're on, you know, these rookie contracts making less than a million dollars. Yeah, because you need those to be effective, man. You see it every year with these Stanley Cup winning teams. How many of these, you know, inexpensive younger contracts have have really helped them down the stretch and and in the postseason? Yeah, you don't think Colorado loves that they're sitting with four defensemen on rookie deals? I mean, oh god, and Alex, it's a wealth of luxuries. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, and you could take advantage of that. Like, you know, the Leafs had uh, Matthew Marner and Nylander on, on rookie deals, and they were able to kind of, for better or worse, allocate that money elsewhere. And uh, yeah. you're going to have the benefit of that with Sandine and Lilligren to kind of allocate that money elsewhere where you have two hopefully capable defensemen uh, uh, who are kind of, you know, young in the years. And you know what? The funny thing about that too is, is uh, they did let those kids run uh, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander in uh, in the series against Washington a few years back, and they almost came out and shocked, you know, the Capitals. So we've seen that it is possible for these young kids to come in and have an immediate effect. Uh, and Kapanen was also a factor in that series. So um, yeah, you know, I think I think on that note. Um, We'll shift gears a bit. We'll stick to defensemen, uh, but I do want to talk about Morgan Riley and what the situation is going to be like there uh, coming into this season. Um, you know, Riley has one year left, uh, $5 million cap hit. And in my opinion, he's not a guy that you can just walk to UFA. So I'm curious to hear, you know, what you might think of the situation there and, and whether or not the Leafs should explore trading Morgan Riley, say now in the off season, uh, to more you know closer to the deadline toward the deadline, or whether you know the Leafs run him straight to UFA and and try to take a run at resigning him or just lose him for nothing. 
I mean, if you're the Leafs with Morgan Riley, I think Morgan Riley is going to price himself out of Toronto unless the cap goes up exponentially next season. Um, I don't think a they'll be able to afford him, or B if he's going to command in the upper eights or nine million dollars. I mean, it's just not smart to take on that kind of contract when you have so much money already invested in absolutely four. Um, so if you're Toronto, you, you kind of have two options with Riley: either a trade him. Um, or B, win the Stanley Cup. Because <laughs> if you go into the playoffs with keeping Morgan Riley and you go into the playoffs and you lose in the first or the second round and you've walked Morgan to UFA for nothing, um, oh boy. It, it reminds me of uh, what Lou Lamorello did with uh, Jake Gardner, James Van Riemsdyk, and Tyler Bozak. Um, they didn't trade them for assets when the Leafs were still very, very green. Uh, the Leafs went out early in the playoffs and they lost those three players for nothing. And, and I have no doubt my mind topic. Yeah. No doubt in my mind, those three players would have fetched uh, some good assets for a young team, whether it's players or picks. Yeah. I mean, dude, to be honest with you, I would absolutely love to be a fly on the wall in any meeting involving Morgan Riley and uh, his agent, JP Barry, who again, also represents Dougie Hamilton. I would love to be a fly on the wall because you know, you don't know what things are like from Morgan Riley's perspective. Even from the Leafs' perspective, you can you can take that out. We don't know what Riley is thinking. Like Riley has now spent what eight, nine seasons here, and they've won nothing with him. So you you have to imagine that he's got to be looking at his career and thinking, yeah, okay, maybe I love Toronto, maybe I love my teammates, maybe I love the situation here, but I also want to win. So. I would be very, very interested to hear what his uh, his talks are like with uh, with JP Barry in terms of whether or not he wants a contract or, or whether or not you know they might be exploring the idea of a trade. I mean, you're taking a very big gamble if you keep Morgan Riley, you know, past the NHL trade deadline. You're taking yeah, a very big gamble with him at that point. Um, but you'll kind of back to your point. If you are going to trade Morgan Riley, you will get much, much more for him in the off season than you will mm-hmm. midway through the season. Like this is when opposing teams are putting together their lineup. They have more space under their salary cap um, and they can fit in a guy like, like Morgan Riley um, and work him into the lineup through, you know, training camp and preseason. And, and, you know, it's a lot easier to work a guy into a new team Um at the beginning of the year than it is, you know, in February at the trade. Yeah, that's line. important. Um, and just from the Leafs perspective, you're going to get a lot more back. And if you are going to pull off a big trade, um, kind of what CJ was alluding to, uh, Riley and probably a young player are going to be part of the package. So if- and, and yeah, and, and to just uh, jump in real quick here, I think recency bias would come into the Leafs benefit here in that Morgan Riley played great against Montreal in that series. Like he was limited to three points, but he was engaged at both ends of the ice. He made like at least half a dozen quality, quality defensive plays that might've been game saving in certain situations there. So, um, you know, it erased a lot of questions about his ability to play defense. I think there was a lot of questions before that series. And I think a lot of them were answered in that series. This is probably the highest Morgan Riley's value has been since that 20-goal season he scored a few years ago. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. 
recency bias is alive and well in the NHL. And uh, we as Leafs fans who watched Mo all year uh, were uh, very familiar with some of the defensive lapses in his game. And again, it goes back to that gamble. If you keep Morgan Riley for uh, the first portion of the season, if he continues to struggle defensively, that'll drive his value down. And again, what if he gets hurt? What if mm. Morgan Riley suffers a terrible knee injury and then his trade value is zero? What have you That's done? That's a great point. So, I mean, again, you're, the ball's kind of in your court at this point of the season in, in terms of moving Riley. But the further you get into the next season – the more the ball kind of goes into the opposition's court as, uh, you know, Riley may continue to regress defensively. He could get hurt. A lot of teams could cap themselves out, not be able to trade for him. Uh, and then, yeah, you may be stuck with him and uh, walking him to UFA regardless of the playoff result. Yeah, and it, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Alex Petrangelo situation uh, with the St. Louis Blues, with the only difference there being that Alex Petrangelo won a Stanley Cup. So, I mean, unless, again, like you you mentioned a few minutes ago, unless you're walking Morgan Riley to UFA with that Stanley Cup ring, uh, I agree, you have to trade him. You have to trade him or or you have to re-sign him. And either way, I mean, the decision's got to be made in the offseason. I don't think you wait. Well, the, the St. Louis Blues, again, they came very, very close to trading Alex Petrangelo. Uh, the year they won the Cup, they were notoriously in last place at one point in the season. Yeah. Uh, and Petrangelo's name uh, was involved in trade talks uh, with one of the destinations <laughs> potentially being Toronto. Uh, but they decided to stand by Petrangelo. They, they didn't move him. And the Blues rallied, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, Petrangelo captained them to a cup, performed beautifully in those specific playoffs. And, you know, I don't think anyone in St. Louis really cares that he went to UFA because, you know, he he took them to the promised land, captained them to a cup, and uh, he rode off into the sunset. Yeah, you didn't hear as much negative buzz about it as, as you might have otherwise heard. I agree with that for sure. Um, the interesting thing here, too, is that there's a lot of comparables between Riley and Petrangelo uh, in terms of point production anyway. Um, like Morgan Riley in the last four seasons combined, uh, 34 goals and... Alex Petrangelo slightly more with 51. So Morgan Riley, he might not get that 8.8 that uh, Petrangelo got, but you have to believe like he's going to be worth every penny of 8 million. And and again, like even if he does take that hometown discount we were talking about with uh, with Dougie Hamilton, not that Morgan Riley's a Toronto native, but just in that he's made Toronto his home. Um, you know, even the hometown discount to stay there, you're still talking 7, 7.5. Like it's going to be a high number for sure. And, uh, you know, you rattle off some of his numbers. Um, he had 35 points in 55 games this season, 27 points in 47 last season. Uh, so those average out to 52 this season and 47 last season over an 82-game 82, 82 span. And then, of course, he had his, his breakout year in 2018-19 with that 72 points in 82 games, like you were saying. So uh, very productive guys. And, and on the opposite end of the spectrum there, uh, Petrangelo had his breakout year in uh i think it was last year he had 16 goals in 70 games um, 52 points so again really two high quality guys you're talking about and and the only difference between the two is you know petrangelo did win that cup before he left so i think there will be a lot of unfinished business uh in in morgan riley's mind if you know and a lot of leafs fans minds for that matter if they don't get the job done 
this season, and then they end up losing him to UFA. If you could bring in Dougie Hamilton at seven by seven, let's say let's call it seven by seven, but it means yeah. you have to trade Morgan Riley, who, let's for the sake of argument, would also have taken a seven by seven. Who would you rather have? Oh man, um, I my dude, honestly, that's a tough one. My heart says Morgan Riley, mm-hmm. um, just because he's been here. He's he's you know earned his stripes. He's got a letter just leads by example. He's great with the media. Like there's a lot of things to love about Morgan Riley. Um, uh, it's tough. I, I will go with Dougie Hamilton, not because it was an easy decision, but because those right-handed defensemen are a lot harder to come by those top end right-handed defensemen. And I think you could get by with moving Jake Muzzin up to potentially play alongside Dougie Hamilton. And you could, potentially move Rasmus Sandin up as well uh, or yeah. Travis Dermott. Dermott looked good in, in stretches, uh, you know, this season when Muslim was hurt. So I'm curious to, to hear what your take on that is. No, I'm with you on that one. Um, I would take Hamilton over Riley. If we're going to, for the sake of argument, go with identical contracts. God, we're horrible Leafs fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, this is no offense to Mo, but I just like the shooting threat that Dougie Hamilton brings on the blue line. Because yeah. it's something I think we've lacked since Dion Phaneuf. And Dion, Dion Phaneuf's shot wasn't the most accurate, but he yeah, made contact. Yeah, talk about winding puck. up and firing eight pucks wide of the net. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say I, Jake McCabe, or not Jake McCabe, sorry, Brian McCabe. Hey, Brian, Brian McCabe had a laser. Those pucks always bomb. found the back of the net. Yeah. Um, but hey, again, no offense to Mo, but for the points that you made, I think Jake Muzzin's an underrated offensive defenseman. Uh, he put together back-to-back 40-point seasons with the Los Angeles Kings. So there's no reason why he couldn't kick it up on the first pair with a guy like Dougie Hamilton. Um, and I think Hamilton's also a bit more defensively responsible than a guy like Morgan Riley. Agreed. And I have no doubt that Dougie Hamilton will endear himself to the city of Toronto. Uh, he's a Toronto-born son, grew up a Leafs fan. Leafs, We Leafs fans eat that up. <laughs> we love uh, when our players... Uh, used to root for the team. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, Hamilton would have any problem fitting in here. And uh, again, no offense to Mo, but whether he stays or goes, I wish him the best, whether it's in a Leafs uniform or someplace else. Agreed, man. I totally agreed. Um, so on that note, uh, we'll shout out our sponsor once again, uh, Hooligan Fuel Hot Sauce. Um, again, that's uh, four generations of flavor before the fire. Uh, we're going to move into our next segment. Uh, this is going to be hopefully a recurring segment here uh, called the Hooligan Fuel Hot Sauce Hot Takes, where we're going to take some of the uh, hot takes from you, the listeners, who have interacted with us on uh, Twitter, uh, whether that be with myself, at um, Leafs or Bust, uh, or Dirtbag Daddy, at Dirtbag underscore Daddy, D-A-D-D-I. Um, we we canvassed Leafs Nation for, for some of the hottest takes we could find. So I picked four here. And Dirtbag, I'm just hoping to get your reaction. And I'll, I'll you know, in kind, I'll, I'll give my reaction as well um, to, to the following hot takes. So the first one comes from at Dubis Worshipper. Um, he's got a little bit of a three-parter here. He suggests that in keeping with our last theme, the Leafs will re-sign Morgan Riley and it'll be at a discount price. Uh, he also says that Keefe will not make it through next season and William Nylander 
will get traded before Mitch Marner. Do you have any thoughts on those? Um, huh. I think <laughs> those we'll are some the, good ones. Those we'll are some good takes. Not, yeah, we'll start with whether or not the Leafs will resign Morgan Riley and at a discounted price. I think they will talk to Morgan Riley's camp and try to find a number that works for both of them. And, you know, I'm not going to put faith in the quote unquote hometown discount uh, anymore because it really hasn't worked for us. Mitch didn't take one. Uh, Petrangelo <laughs> wasn't really ready to take one for us. Doesn't seem like Hyman's going to take one. Um, if you if you want to say that John Tavares took one, um, well, I would say he JT probably did. Left a bunch of money on the table, so I'll he say did, he did, did. But I'll say that but, JT yeah. did. I think the Sharks were prepared to offer him thirteen million, so I think he yeah. did take a discount, but he got what he was worth. Um, Sheldon Keefe, I mean, wow, that would. That would really take a bad start from the Leafs to for Just Dubis to fire his start. guy because Dubis, Dubis and Keith have been together since the Marlies. I mean, they won a Calder Cup together down on the Marlies, so it would take a really bad start and probably some intense media pressure for for Sheldon Keith not to make it through next year. Um, right, I think we would see some of the assistant coaches start to get the axe before we saw Keith. Manny um, Malhotra. Uh, my favorite, Manny Malhotra. <laughs> um, I still stand by that I don't think Malhotra will make it to the preseason. Uh, but <laughs> we'll, we will see what happens after the NHL playoffs. Yeah. Um, but I think it would take a disastrous start, kind of uh, a la Mike Babcock uh, two seasons ago. Um, oh, man. Who was fired mid-season after that uh, Las Vegas game. I, th- I think it would take a really bad step. Yeah, the, the infamous Marc-Andre Fleury glove save in the open net that got Mike Babcock fired. Yes, thank you, Marc-Andre. Thanks, Flower. <laughs> um, and as for Nylander, I don't know if this is really a hot take at all. I mean, Nylander's on a better contract, um, and he was a better player in the playoffs. Um, it would take a lot for a team to swallow Mitch's cap hit. Um, and... I, I don't think I'd call that a hot take. I think teams would be more willing to trade for a guy like William Nylander than, than they would for Mitch Marner, just based off the cap hit alone. Yeah, fair enough. Um, for me, I, I think I agree on the the Morgan Riley thing. I think they will sit down and try to come up with a number that works. Um, but I think they'll do that in the offseason. I don't think they'll wait for the regular season. I think um, from Morgan Riley's standpoint, he's going to want to know coming into this season – maybe what the Leafs plans are for him long-term. Um, so I think if there is no deal to get done there, I think, uh, I think there might be interest in both sides to, to maybe move on as much as I hate to say it, because I do love Morgan Riley. Um, uh, think he's a great human being and, uh, and a great hockey player. I just, uh, you know, in the, in the cap world, if this wasn't a cap world, I, I think they retain him, but in a cap world, I think he's going to be a casualty. Um, Keith not making it through next season. Uh, God, I love this hot take because it reminds me of a conversation I was having with somebody on uh, Twitter. I, I apologize because I can't recall who it was with. Um, but whether or not Keith makes it through the season, I am intrigued by the possibility of maybe a guy like John Tortorella coming in and having his way with the Toronto media, because I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, now, I don't necessarily think Torch is the right coach for Toronto in that the room is very tight-knit and there's a lot of good energy there. And I, not that Torch would take away from that energy. I just think 
that when you're talking about benching a William Nylander because he's not hustling back on a, on you know one two back checks, but he's still scoring thirty goals a year, I think it'll have a more adverse reaction on, on his overall performance if you bench a guy like that who needs to have his, um, you know, his tires pumped every now and again. Um, and then in terms of the whole Nylander getting traded traded before Marner thing, I think I agree with you in that it's probably more likely in that, again, not many teams are going to be able to eat that uh, Mitch Marner cap hit. And there's no way that Toronto is retaining a portion of that salary for five, five more years, four or five more years. So um, again, yeah, dearest worshiper, love the takes. Uh, we'll move on to the next one here. Uh, coming from Hetty Standerson. So his take is that losing John Tavares, Jake Muzzin, and Nick Foligno to injury, plus having Austin Matthews, uh, Zach Hyman, and Nick Foligno playing through injury is why the Leafs lost against Montreal. Uh, so he says, sure, Marner was bad offensively. Keith was outcoached, and the power play was an abomination. I don't think there's any argument there. Uh but no NHL team could have survived with that many key guys out or playing hurt. What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't think that's really a hot take. I think it's just, it, it's reality. If, if the Leafs had all their guys healthy in a perfect world, we would have slapped Montreal. That's not a hot take. And that's no disrespect <laughs> to the Canadians. But when your I captain agree. goes down 10 minutes in a game one, and not just your captain, but an impact player, of course, that's going to affect the series. And I think now and that we've all had it, he went down. I mean, like, yeah, it just was so violent and jarring. I mean, it it, it obviously shook the bench, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't think they ever really fully mentally recovered from it. Even after they jumped out to the three-one series lead, I still think that 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 still probably affected them mentally, even if they're not going to admit it. I mean, how yeah. how couldn't it? I mean, it looked like JT might not have gotten up. Yeah, dude, there was a lot of people on Twitter that were talking about it. They thought they were watching John Tavares die on the ice. So, um, you know, for me, I got to echo the same sentiments there. And I will die on this hill. If John Tavares plays the full seven-game series against the Habs, there is a 0% chance in my mind that the Habs win that series. And that's, again, it's (laughs) it's no offense to any Habs fans or the Montreal Canadiens as a team. I think they've got a bright future. They've got a lot of young pieces coming up that are going to be very good. Um, but I just think if you're adding a point per game player who is such an impactful player in your lineup, who plays big minutes, meaningful minutes, and, and generally just, you know, has that ability to calm the room, I, I think that's invaluable. I think that is probably over in five, if not four, if GT plays the whole series. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And as, as to the other players, um, playing hurt i mean in, injuries happen i mean i i, I can only kind of go so far with that excuse i mean we saw tampa bay win a stanley cup without steven stamkos i think yeah. you as players need to step up when players go down you you need to step up and, and fill those shoes and i thought the leafs had plenty of players plenty of elite talent that could have stepped in and and made up for the fact that jt was hurt uh, you know, Matthews being banged up. I mean, I don't really buy that all too much. He still won the Rocket Richard while playing banged up. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think the excuse thing just it kind of, it just sounds to me like an excuse. I mean, 
Mitch Marner needs to be better. I mean, that's I'm not going to use the excuse of injuries to cover for Mitch Marner. JT goes down. Marner was still a top five uh, scorer in the league. He still needs Agreed. to show up regardless of who's in the lineup. There's no excuse for that top line drying up. There's no excuse. No, and I mean, you can you can argue, like, I, I certainly do anyhow, that if Austin Matthews buries even maybe two, maybe not all five of the, the posts that he hit, but maybe two of those convert to goals, and maybe that swings the series. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Um, so our, our third hot take, though, moving on here, comes from Sam underscore Murray double underscore. He says, Marner for Matthew Kachuk with Kachuk having 50% of his salary retained and as many picks as Calgary would give up. So <laughs> moving on from Marner's contract opens the many doors. Uh, he's a star for a reason, though his – sorry, though. He's a star for a reason, though, and this ultimately probably won't happen. I can dream, though. So what do you think about the prospects of the Leafs trading – Mitch Marner for Matthew Kachuk plus picks. I mean, why would Calgary retain salary? I mean, I feel like we would have to retain salary. Like Kachuk comes in at seven point five million a year, which I think is affordable for a player of his talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, now Calgary has to throw in picks. I mean, <laughs> again, I love Matthew Kachuk. I, I think Matthew Kachuk is a great player. I think he possesses a lot of qualities that the Maple Leafs lack. Yeah. Um, I think he's a, uh, a a fantastic offensive player and one of the elite pests in the <laughs> NHL. One of those guys you'd love to see in your uniform but hate to see on the other side of the ice. Um, you know, I think you could entertain a trade, Marner, for Kachuk, but I think the kind of the add-ons on either side would have to kind of be a bit different. I think Mitch Marner's more valuable than Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, for sure. And maybe no retained salary at all on either side. I mean, if you want to do uh, Marner for Kachuk and, I don't know, a Manjapane, for example. Yeah, Manjapane would be a good one. Um, I think that would work. Um, I think Calgary's got a lot of uh, questions that they got to answer for themselves. Um, I know they have to figure out what they're going to do with Johnny Goudreau. I mean, you want to talk about a young core that hasn't delivered uh, that core of uh, Kachuk. Uh, not part of me, not Kachuk. Uh, Goudreau, Monahan, and Lindholm. They're the hottest line in hockey for a couple of years and they weren't able to deliver there. So yeah. There might be some uh there might be some changes coming in Calgary and and who's to say that the Leafs and the Flames couldn't be dance partners around a trade. Very true, very true. I mean, wouldn't that uh, be a fantastic first line if you had Kachuk, Matthews, and Nylander? Three shooting oh, man. threats. Uh a great setup guy in Willie and one of the great pests in the game, Matthew Kachuk. That'd be a fun line to watch. That sure would be. Uh, so the last one here uh, in the segment comes from at Mazella, M-E's triple Z-A-L-A. Uh, he's, he's saying there's actually nothing wrong with the Leafs. And if they bring back the exact same team, they'd win the Atlantic division next year. <laughs> That's a hot take. That's, That's a, a hot, hot take. take. That's very hot. Um, yeah, that, this one was my favorite. I saved this one for last. I'm going to throw that out there. Um, you know, no offense to anybody else. They were all great. We, we absolutely love the participation. This one is my favorite. I, I mean, thank thank you to everyone who who supplied a take. Uh, these are fun to discuss. Um, to this point about winning the Atlantic with the same team, 
I just don't know, man. I mean, I think we got some, we got some big dogs in our division and it's, you know, it's just the Leafs luck that when the Leafs have come into, you know, blossoming into an elite team that they have to, you know, fend off uh, the other wolves in the division, Tampa, um, Tampa, Boston, Florida, Florida. Yeah. you know, the Sens are young and hungry. Um, you know, the, the Habs are, I mean, the Hags are, the Habs are an enigma who knows, Oh, Detroit's um, going to be coming up. Like they've got a stack of high picks. Very, very young team with a lot of uh, high draft picks. Uh, look out for Detroit in a few years. But as to as for next season, do the Leafs have on paper? Do the well, I mean we don't even know what's going to be on the paper because we have to see yeah. what lineup they're going in next year. There no Zach Hyman um, losing a piece to Seattle. It's not going to be the same team as it was no. this year. You can't run back that same team. Do they have the core to compete for the top of the Atlantic? I think they do. Do I think they win the Atlantic? I don't. I still think Tampa's the top dog. Um, and I still think Boston's a team that we kind of need to get over mentally. Um, yeah. And the games against Florida will be fun. Uh, Florida's really coming to their own. So it's going to be a dog fight for those top three spots. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think honestly, though, the, the Leafs do have a puncher's chance to come out and win that division, but they're going to have to get off to the most red hot start. And they're not going to be able to have those ups and downs throughout the season. They're going to have to put together a very, very tough and consistent 82 game schedule in order to compete for that top spot. Like, I think it's going to be very, very tough. And depending on who comes in, like you were saying, I mean, if it's a Dougie Hamilton or, or, you know, maybe there is another big name uh, on the market like CJ and uh, Elliot Friedman were alluding to that may wind up in Toronto to start the season here to get everybody excited. I think it's, it's, they have a puncher's chance. I don't like their overall odds of doing it, but again, like Mazella, this was a fantastic hot take. I loved it. I really think you'd need all the dominoes to fall exactly the right way for the Leafs to take the Atlantic. And by that, I mean Leafs get no injuries. Tampa Bay gets a bunch of injuries. Uh, Boston's aging core regresses dramatically. Um, Nick Robertson comes in, scores 30 goals. Like I think you'd need yeah. a lot of dominoes to fall into place for the Leafs to topple uh, Tampa Bay. For and what for it's worth, I have the Leafs finishing in second. If, for if a cursed franchise, it's going to be tough. <laughs> I mean, you know, for a franchise that's been cursed so long, I mean, maybe all the karma reverses at once. If you get, if you kind of get, <laughs> see what I'm getting well, at. I, I thought that was going to be this season, brother. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, this, I did. This, I'm this not season doesn't lie. count, anyways. <laughs> COVID <laughs> year, yeah. COVID year. All right. On that note. Uh, We'll, we'll shift gears here and we'll head toward our, uh, our next topic for discussion. And that is Matthews and Marner catching flack for life after elimination. Okay. Roll so, <laughs> so I've posted about these two players in regards to this. Uh, I saw Matthews at the UFC event. Uh, he came in with Freddie Anderson and Justin Bieber and I praised Austin Matthews. I just think Austin Matthews is just, one of the coolest dudes. He's got like Joe Namath levels kind of swagged off the ice. He's a rock star and he does rock star shit. Um, goes to UFC events with Bieber. He, he shows up at concerts. He does all these kind of cool 
celebrity things. He's very connected kind of to the celebrity world. Um, Mitch Marner. He, t- he dipped his toe in the modeling aspect of things too, didn't yes, he? he did. Yes, he was on a, a magazine <laughs> cover, I believe, a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, he, he's got that rock star persona about him, and it's something that, that I praise. Uh, and I've been a little bit critical of Mitch Marner's offseason uh, – I won't call them antics. Let's call it his offseason itinerary. Um, he's been golfing, uh, and he was recently uh, on Instagram post with, uh, with his girlfriend uh, celebrating their anniversary on a private jet. Um, congratulations. Sipping mimosas, them. baby. Sipping mimosas on a private jet to the Bahamas. Uh, and I was critical of Marner for that, kind of tongue in cheek. Um, but I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, these are these are two young two young men uh, who have a lot of money, um, who have a lot of influence, uh, of a lot of friends, and they're going to go live their lives. Like, am I still a little bit bitter at at, at Marner? Sure, but every day that kind of uh, lessens a bit. And, you know, I think Mitch should go out and enjoy his summer. Uh, with his friends and with his loved ones. And he, he shouldn't be confined to a dark room in the basement of the Air Canada Centre <laughs> to, to think about oh, what man. he's done. I think you got to let him live yeah. his life. And, you know, if, if you know, I, I'm, I was a bit of, I was a bit of a hypocrite and, you know, Matthews is allowed to go to UFC with Justin Bieber and Mitch Marner should have to go sit in timeout all summer. I don't, I don't think that's, <laughs> I don't think that's fair. I love it. Dude, honestly, I look at the whole situation and I think to myself, what would it be like for me in the same position? Like I gave it my all. Whether or not people want to acknowledge it, Mitch Marner does not want to lose hockey games. Mitch Marner does not want to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. Austin Matthews does not want to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. These guys very much want to get you know, into the second round, third round, maybe to the promised land. These guys want to be there. The fact that it they didn't convert on their chances, um, you know, they maybe were shook a little bit by Montreal's comeback. You know, the fact that there was you know, no uh, team captain, John Tavares, to calm down the room in some of those high-pressure situations. Yeah, they had a few guys that were capable of filling in there, but nobody liked the captain. I just think, for me anyway, if I'm giving it my all and I'm playing – you know, hurt and I'm, you know, playing through COVID and I didn't opt out and I'm, you know, I really want this for this team. I just think we need to cut them a bit of slack. It's the off season. These guys want to do what they can to put it behind them, take their mind off of it, you know, have some fun, whether that be at a UFC event on a golf course or flying to the Bahamas, sipping mimosas or chilling in a swimming pool with Zach Bogosian. I, I honestly think, you know, it's it's one of those scenarios that uh, people have just made too much about it, and I get it. You know, it's summer, Leafs news, it's going to be a little slow. But, uh, you know, let's cut these guys a bit of a break because when it comes time to negotiate contracts and, and stuff like that, like, they're going to remember how hard everybody was on them. And, yeah, if they delete social and they avoid social, it might, you know, lessen the impact but they're still going to hear it. They're going to hear it from their friends, from their agents, from their family. They're, they're still going to hear it. And, and I just think we need to, at a certain point, let these guys live their lives during the off season. You know, the, the spotlights on them all year, every year. And, you know, even in the off season. And for me, I think it's like live and let live. I think it's important to remember too, that these players are playing, you know, during a COVID season, 
uh, you know, they weren't able to go out with their teammates like they would in a normal season. I mean, the mm-hmm. regular season hockey, you get to visit 30 cities, go out, you know, with the team, go experience some nightlife. And they weren't afforded that this year. They, they were playing strictly in Canada. There were strict measures and curfews in place. And these players were just playing hockey, uh, uh, going to practice, and then going to the hotel room and then maybe getting some family time uh, when, when they were at home. And that would wear on anyone. Because, yeah, because even for a while there, you couldn't even see your family due to yeah. COVID. I mean, for all all the complaining, uh, you know, we as, you know, uh, regular people have, have, we've been complaining that during this pandemic, we haven't been able to do anything. It's still the same for, for hockey players. They couldn't even see their family. So, I mean, to, to get kind of miffed at guys for enjoying themselves in the off season just seems silly. Like these guys were cooped up all year. All they did was work. Yeah. And, you know, you know what? Playoffs aside, your young men go out, enjoy yourselves responsibly, and come back next season hungry and ready to play. And keep your pants on, Austin. Don't be mooning any security guards. <laughs> exactly. <where the>, yeah. <laughs> responsibly yeah, honestly, enjoy yourselves. Yeah, man. I look at it and I'm like, if it's me and I, and I've just endured a 15 month you know COVID situation here, like everybody else has, and and I'm a pro hockey player. And on top of dealing with the whole COVID thing, I've got to deal with the the rigors of playing a, a compressed season and also, you know, having all of these um, like these pressure, high pressure situations without the ability to alleviate any of the stress there. Like, like you were saying, going out and having a night with the boys, if you've had a rough game, like they don't have that. And it's like, I got to think of what it's like for me now coming out of COVID as things are starting to open up. Am I going to want to go have a patio beer? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to. So I just try not to like, I, I want to put myself in their shoes and maybe not, not be so hard on them. Uh, again, I'm not critical really of anybody who holds them to a higher standard and, and maybe, you know, has a differing opinion from mine. Like maybe it's more important for, for others to kind of vent their frustrations in that way. But uh, for me, like I, you certainly got to leave the guys alone on social. I mean, unless absolutely. it's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can make your own tweets kind of poking fun at the guys for, you know, hitting the golf course, but you know, for the love of God, don't be a donkey. Don't go you know, harassing them on their social. Don't be sending them threats. Don't go tracking down their loved ones. I mean, that's just a bunch of bull crap. I mean, these are, this, these are human beings too, right? Yeah. This has been a PSA for anti-harassment of professional athletes. Don't be a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just it's just I mean, come on. And then you know, people don't like the adage is that people don't want to play in Toronto because the market's insane. Well, you know what's insane is harassing people on their social media for posting a picture with their girlfriend. I mean, give me a break. I mean, do you want guys to re-sign here and sign here or not, or do you want to drive them away? I mean, let's make this a, a welcoming place to play. So, not drive players out like no player should have to delete their social because fans have been bombarding them for going golfing i mean that's ridiculous if you want to if you want to give it to the players post it on your own account on your own twitter and leave them out of it yeah and i mean if the post gets enough you know people generating discussion and and feeding into that you know negativity or whatever they're going to see it anyway (laughs) so Honestly, and I guarantee yeah. you, none of these guys who are giving Mitch and Austin crap for enjoying their offseason would have the, the balls to say it to either of their faces. So let's just be honest. These are, <laughs> these are keyboard agree. warriors, Mikey. They're keyboard warriors. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's the essence of the internet is to give everybody a voice to bitch and complain about whatever they want. Right. I mean, I'm and sure I'm- that's not, that wasn't the intended purpose in, in the internet's inception, but you know, here we are in 2021 and we got to be bullying a 24 year old cause he went golfing and maybe prefers to play the flank on the power play. <laughs> Has society progressed past the need for the internet? Find out next time on Leafs or <laughs> Oh, man, what a sign-off that would be. Anyway, um, anyways, yeah, uh, with that, I guess we'll wrap it up here. Um, thank you to everybody for joining us uh, and sticking around for the ride here. Um, this was episode one. We are going to be shooting a new episode each week, and uh, we are going to engage some uh, some Leafs Twitter faithful and invite folks on the show for uh, for segments or for some episodes here. Uh, maybe as soon as next week, you'll have to tune in to find out. Um, but if you don't already follow us on Twitter, uh, you can follow me, Michael Anthony. Uh, it's at Leafs or Bust. And you can follow Dirtbag Daddy at Dirtbag underscore D-A-D-D-I. So we welcome and encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and SoundCloud. Uh, we'll have YouTube content, uh, probably for promotional purposes mainly, but uh, probably some fun little videos as well. And uh, we hope to be up and running on Spotify in the coming weeks. Um, all of our social media links will be available through our link tree at linktr.ee slash bust. That's all for now, and we hope to see you next week, Leafs Nation. Ciao for now. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, we hope you enjoyed uh, the maiden voyage of the Leafs or Bust podcast. Uh, like Mikey said, keep an eye open for us on social media. Um, and yeah, everyone enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. Maybe hit a patio and leave those Leafs players alone who are also <laughs> enjoying a patio. Because I'll tell you right now, if you want Connor McDavid to sign here in a couple of years, those players talk. If McDavid <laughs> thinks he's going to be harassed on social media. He might just stay in Edmonton. <laughs> you just had to slip that in there. <laughs> I always got to get a McDavid line in. <laughs> Ciao for now, Leafs Nation. Ciao for now, guys. Thanks for tuning in.